welcome back to the Nerd Nest podcast. We've got four of us here today. I'm joined today by we've got Russ and Rich and Carrie. Uh, Rich, how's it going today, man? Pretty good. It's been a nice uh, few days with the weather here in Maryland, so I'm I'm having a good time with the kids, and it's been good. How are you? Um, we have had gorgeous weather this week. Um, uh, I, I work at a school, and we've been having lots of fire drills in the afternoon where we all go out, stand outside. And every single time, I think to myself, I don't want to go back inside. It's too nice out here. <laughs> Carrie, you have not had that that uh, that experience lately, have you? No, I didn't have it as bad as some of the pictures and stuff that were going around there. That was pretty, pretty mm -hmm. gnarly. Uh, but I did have a, a number of leaks that I had to attend to. Um, it was, it was a downpour. We really got dunked on. Jeez. Yeah. Leaks, not, not like video game leaks, but like, you know, water. Yeah. Leaks. Like I, yeah it was a, we had to deploy four pans. Uh, but yeah, um, it was, it wasn't great. And you know, Russ gets the same weather every single day. It rains yeah. for about 15 minutes and then it's beautiful. That's why it's called the rainbow state. Am I wrong? Yeah. You are not wrong at all. I mean, like every like five years, we have like something bad happen, like a little earthquake or whatever. But yeah, it's it's wonderful. So no oh, complaints a here. Earthquake. <laughs> oh, oh, just just NBD. Was that a little three by three on the Richter? No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> a little earthquake. Uh, well, let's listen. We're here to talk about video games, not earthquakes. Uh, uh, so let's get ready to move on. But hey, you know, we were just talking to Russ, and I want you to watch. In Russ's background throughout the show, he's got a retro game playing on the TV in the background. As soon as you know the answer to what that retro game is, uh, we're you know leave a comment down below on the YouTube channel. And at the very end of the show, I'll play some audio for from that uh, game as well for the audio listeners. Uh, and then uh, the, we were talking before. I think this one's going to be pretty easy for most people. <laughs> uh, Carrie and I were able to guess it just by watching the screen. With we haven't heard the song yet. Uh, I don't know how how well Rich is going to do with this, but you know, it's Elden is, Ring, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is it. absolutely it's absolutely Elden Ring. Uh, we, we we told Russ he's got to up his game, and he said, "Well, we'll play Stump the Chump if you want." So maybe next <laughs> week. Uh, he'll 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 make it a little bit harder for us, but we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I'm just looking at the show notes. Um, okay, I want to start off by talking about uh, the Legion Go. Who who here ordered the Legion Go? Because I saw some tweets this morning. I did. Um, Russ, did you order it? I did. Yep. And you said that you were like being strategic with your order. Want to talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, so the, you know, there's the 512 and the one terabyte storage options, and it's only a fifty dollar difference between the two, and it makes no sense to get the 512. Like you would mm. just get the spend the fifty bucks, get the one terabyte, and so I figured everyone's gonna get the one terabyte, and there might be supply issues, and so I bought the 512 because I was like, you know what, that's the one, like that's the little black sheep, you know, the ugly duckling. I'll buy that one, and then hopefully I will get it maybe a day earlier uh, as a result, and so that's that's why I ended up spending like buying the one that made the least amount of sense uh just so i can maybe get it a little earlier spoilers uh his is going to come a couple days later because he lives in hawaii <laughs> right. and uh the, you know cue the narrator from um oh, from arrested development uh he didn't uh yeah. Carrie, which one did you order man also the 512 uh mm. i didn't get it for any like secret reasons i just have way too many devices and way too many NVMe's, so there's zero reason <laughs> i need any more space i 
literally like three NVMe sticks right to my right over here that mm. I could just sitting here. So I, I don't know what to do with them. Uh, they just kind of just sit. So I don't need storage. I just need to test out the thing. And that's the only reason that I got it. Now, the the drive in that thing, it's not um, a 2230 like in the Steam Deck and in the ROG Ally. It's 2245. Am I right about 2280? 2240? 2280. Yeah. It's 2280. There's, there's, so it's like a long one, right? It's a normal stick. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in a. Are we like in a, sure? A, I thought it was a 2240. So there's. All right. There's Go four ahead, sizes. Rich. I just remember some argument about people. I remember people being upset with the with the size that they chose, which would lead me to think that it's not the twenty two eighty, right? Um, but I don't I don't remember specifically what it was. We're all googling at the same time. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not touching my keyboard. But I'm watching all of you guys Google in real time. And twenty two forty two, twenty two forty two. Yep. Oh, twenty two forty two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. So, oh yeah. Does right. that change your your math, uh, Carrie? No, I mean, um, I mean, I still have too many devices. It's not like I'm going to be using. <laughs> that's, Unless that's like, the the Lenovo Legion goes like, oh my god, this is so amazing that I just get to throw all these other things away. I don't anticipate that happening. Uh, so there's still no reason for me to get it. Um, funnily enough, the 2242 was first demoed in the GPD Win Two, uh, although it was only, it was not NVMe, it was SATA. Uh, but still, they used 2242 in the Win Two. Um, so little fun fact. Nice. Awesome. I don't know if I asked you, Rich. Did you end up picking one up as well? No, I didn't. I woke up and I saw that it was available for pre-order, and then I've just been like out all day. So I'll pre-order it later today and just kind of deal with the consequences of getting it later than everybody else. Um, did you see that it's also going to that it's also available for pre-order on Micro Center? Mm-hmm. So even on Micro Center, you can buy it, which is pretty mm. neat because I have one that's not too far from me. Oh, that's awesome! So you could you could possibly walk into a store and buy one on day one, for sure. That's Going, awesome. You, one of the best things about Micro Center um, that I love, I actually got a forty ninety on day one at a Micro Center, even though they're sold out everywhere. And that has to do with like how they don't sell things online, and they kind of encourage people to come into the store. Yep. So it's like one of my favorite things about Micro Center, even though it's probably opposite of how most people are going to be doing shopping. But um, yeah, the Brooklyn Micro Center is actually pretty sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I I told my wife I like I like I bought it and I I told her I said well you know it's kind of expensive but what I figured is I'm just gonna buy it and if it turns out that I don't like it then I can just take it back to Best Buy and that's one of the best things about these devices that actually have 100%. an in-store footprint because. If I didn't like it and I couldn't just walk into a Best Buy and say, give me my money back, like right. there's a whole process and then I got to ship things. And it's not like when I buy something from Amazon and I don't like it, their return policy is ridiculously easy. Mm. Um, so I really like that. Like, I feel like I'm okay taking a chance on this device. Whereas if it didn't have an in store footprint somewhere near me, I wouldn't feel like, okay, I can probably, I could take a risk, uh, a $750 risk on this device. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Like, that's kind of my angle in buying this is like, okay, this thing's got two weeks to win me over or it's Mm -hmm. going back because I have so many other handhelds. Like, what are you going to do that's special to the point where I'm actually going to keep it? So, yeah. And you've been like fully sold on the Ally, right, Russ? 
Yeah, I mean, I've got two of them right now, and I've got the XG Mobile, and so yeah. and my Steam Deck, obviously, and that's not to yeah. mention all the other handhelds I mess around with. So of course, yeah, I'm, I'm invested in all of that stuff, and so yeah, this is this is that moment where the Legion Go needs to kind of step up and and see what it can do. Yeah, it absolutely fair. does. Um, speaking of all these other handhelds, like we, we've got these. Some of them aren't. Some of them are handhelds, but are they really handhelds? Like that's a question that I think that we need to ask. Like I watched your video, Russ, about I can. The the name of this thing is terrible. Oh, it's terrible. The TJTT109. It's like a the name of a Terminator or something. Yeah, TJD is the name of the company, and then the the device is called T101. And yeah, it sounds like okay. a Terminator. So the T101. I saw your video and I was like, okay, it looks cool or whatever. And then you got to the part of the video where you stood up and were holding it like next to you <laughs> in your hand. And I was like, oh my God, that thing is ridiculous. How do yeah, you feel about that thing? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. So I, I knew like when they emailed and said, hey, we're going to send this thing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm going to make a ridiculous video, you know. Uh, but once I actually got it in my hands, I was like, you know, this 10 inches is not so bad. Like, uh, it's it's good because you can hold it further away and still be able to, like, you know, play with it. And so it's nice to be able to, like, actually rest on your lap and then, like, kind of use it like that because it is pretty heavy. It's like two and a half pounds. And then also because the screen's so big, they've got room for a big battery. They've got room for big controls. And so uh, it does feel very kind of luxurious. I just wish that, you know, kind of the build quality was better. Again, it was an engineering unit, so I can't really, like, say if it's going to get better or worse. And then also, uh, like, the controls didn't work on mine. Like, I, I spent, Ooh. like, three days trying to get it to work. But uh, essentially, the D-pad was just constantly firing up. And so they, they their first email said, well, just take it apart and see if you can fix it. I'm like, no, that's your job, you know. That's so, right. <laughs> So I didn't even attempt that, you know, especially because it's probably made with like hot wax and stuff inside. And so I didn't <laughs> want to deal with any of that stuff. And so then um, and then I just turned off it, it off within the device manager and, that, and then it worked. And so then I ended up using everything with an external controller, which means I couldn't accurately judge the controls themselves. And so as much as I wanted to say this is a really neat experience, I couldn't. And so at that point, I was just basically playing on tablet PC and uh yeah, the screen's big. It's it's way too big to be like portable in any way. Uh, but it was still kind of a fun experience to have something so massive. And, and you how, had the the grips too, right? Like the grips are massive. Yeah, they're huge. They're like full size. You know, I've had like the I think you guys some of you had like the AOK Zoe products, right? They have like really massive grips on them as well. These just like completely blow those out of the water. Like it's just full console size controls on a on a handheld PC. It's kind of crazy. What were you saying, Rich? So, so this is even bigger than the Ionio Kuhn, right? Is the oh, Kuhn? Absolutely. Yeah, so Kuhn is like eight and a eight half point, inch. Yeah, eight point four. I got the Kuhn the other day, and it's tiny. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at this little guy. You know, everyone else is like, it's so big, and I'm like, oh, look at this little guy. And so, yeah, uh, I'll do some size comparisons on the Kuhn, which I'll probably review in the coming week. That's great. And then the PlayStation Portal is another one, right? It's not not 8.4 it's not 10 inches but it's eight inch screen with those big dual sense grips so that's going to be another big one i think a lot of people especially those who aren't like us who have actually like held a bunch of these they're going to be really surprised at that price or the size they're going to you know have pre-ordered it or whatever and be like oh yeah it's yeah. like a little like tablet or whatever they're going to get it and be like oh my gosh this is an ipad you know <laughs> so well and, nice. and not only that but the 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 ps the the playstation portal like i would hope that it's a whole lot lighter 
than these other devices. So you can hold it at like you don't have to rest it on your lap in order to play mm -hmm. it. Because, you know, when you were talking about sitting there and having it on your lap, all I could think of is you're looking down the whole time and it's yeah. got to like strain your neck after a while. Am I wrong right. about that, Russ? You're right. Yeah. And so that's definitely like you could do it on the lap, but I would rather just do it on a table. If you're going to do it on a table, then might as well use a laptop. That's kind of like mm -hmm. where I'm at with all that. So, yeah. That was one of the complaints for one of the early Steam Deck reviews. I think they called it Deck Neck, right? Like, I think it was in Gadget, where, like, it was just you're looking like this the whole time, and you get sore in the neck. And, you know, maybe for some people it was just harder to hold up here, or maybe they weren't used to it. But, yeah, I can't imagine with something that size. So Yeah. You know what's nice about um... – okay, people <laughs> screaming. Sorry about that. There's, okay. uh, that's one of the nice things about Clamshell, because you can actually have the device be ergonomic to you – Right. rather than you be ergonomic to the device. But, right. you know, who had, who had that Carrie would have uh, clamshell at twenty two at uh, 12 minutes 50 into the show? Who, right. who, who was the over-under for that one? <laughs> Whoever had it, you win. You win. I'm sorry, Carrie. I just had to jump in there. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. There was there was a recent Steam Deck clamshell render on Reddit, and it, it looked really nice. Um, hmm. It did have sort of those, like, inset analog sticks that I don't really like, the really short ones. Um, but other than that, that render was beautiful. I'll find it, and I'll post it in the chat. That's awesome. I, well, don't, you could just share it on your screen. But, you know, we were talking about the clamshell design, and somebody had mentioned, you know, I, I I hate the clamshell design because of the sticks. I would love to have a clamshell where, I don't know if it's possible, but where you could just take off the stick caps and, like, have them, like, magnetically hook up to something somewhere so that when you can close it, it closes all the way, but you could still mm. have real sticks. I think that that would be awesome. Um, yeah. Carrie, do, do you think that, like could is that a, do you think that's a possibility ever or is that something that we're because i don't know i don't know much about sticks are do, do the posts that they go on have to be too tall for that to really be an option anyway sorry say that again you're looking to have analog sticks that are replaceable, like disconnectable so that you can store them somewhere to make the device thinner. yeah like on the yeah. xbox elite controller like how they can pop right off um i i, I mean you could do that i probably would be on the side that would not want that um the so the main problem with clamshell with analog sticks is that as you've already you know highlighted is that the the height of the analog stick is going to rob you of space somewhere so you're either going to have to have an alcove for the analog stick so that the screen can close properly or you're going to have to do something like you're saying where you can kind of take out these analog sticks and have like a caddy somewhere on the device itself um just to make a device thinner. The reality is that I don't think that it's super necessary. The GPD Win Max 2 and the GPD Win Mini show that you can have an alcove that uh, supports that recess. Uh, and a side benefit of that is that it does make the device a certain thickness, which actually makes it more comfortable to use. Having a device be thinner, in my experience, uh, is something that just becomes kind of... I get cramps in my hands if a device is too thin when I'm mm -hmm. holding handheld. So like the 3DS and the PS Vita, often whenever I play that at length, I would get cramps. Um, I never got it with uh, the Switch, though. Uh, but I never got it with any of GPD's devices that have a thicker device. So I've always been uh, of a fan of just thicker devices in general. So it's a side benefit. It's a silver lining to it. But I've never used one of those GPD devices. Do they have real sticks or are they like more like the the, the switch sticks, which 
I, no offense to Nintendo Switch fans, but those are not real sticks, if you ask me. They're too they're too small. <laughs> yeah, they, so they are small Switch like uh, in terms of their travel and all other types of characteristics. Um, they're closer to like PS Vita uh, than than Switch sticks. Um, so if you if you use the PS Vita's analog stick, you can get a kind of an idea of what that's like. They're a little bit have a bit more travel than those, um, so they're not full analog sticks in that regard so you will be losing out if you wanted to go that then you're going to have like really thick devices so the problem then becomes if you wanted to have something that you were looking for you can have like this disconnectable analog cap you also have to remember the skirt for the analog stick itself is also going to occupy space so now you're talking about a you know just the cap and that is fairly large almost like you know an inch and a half um of space so I don't even know if that would even be very portable by disconnecting yeah. it and like storing somewhere else. So I've been messing around with a GPD Win Mini and one of the many handhelds that I need to be reviewing. And uh, that one has, yeah, like um, Fox is saying, like it has those smaller Switch style ones. And I personally, I, I keep wishing that they were bigger. Like because the thing is with that size in particular, when you push on, like say you're going up on an analog stick, it just kind of tilts. You know what I mean? It just kind of stays where it is and then tilts over. If you're using something like a bigger, like Steam Deck one or whatever, the whole thing kind of pivots. It kind of moves, right? With it, it has a more circular feel to it. And that's what I would rather have. And unfortunately, the GPD Win Mini ones are just too small. And it sucks because the GPD Win 4, which has pretty small analog sticks too, does that kind of pivot. And so that would be ideal for me is at least having that size. But I completely understand why it's not possible with, you know, a clamshell design. But that's one of those things, you know, I always do like my Destiny 2 test. Like how, how's a good FPS going to be on it? And for me, the GPD Win Mini doesn't really pass that test. Like I don't look forward to playing it on that device, which kind of sucks because it's like the perfect form factor. Just grab it. You know, you got like a 3DS you can play uh destiny 2 on but unfortunately it just doesn't pan out at least for me and my control like preference uh, russ i'm trying to remember the ioneo kune does it have um does it have a, a, the right stick up high or is it down low it is mm-hmm. low it's but it's in a v shape you know they did a really good job doing the v shape with that one in particular and so it is very comfortable they put yeah there we go so yeah, oh, yeah i didn't like know you had one like yeah get the silver one that looks nice uh, and so the track pads are way too low, as you can see. Like you cannot play a first-person shooter with that game using track pads, like you can on the Steam Deck. Uh, so it's mostly for like Windows management. Um, but yeah, that's the 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 placement of everything on the Coon is really good. Like they they just looked at the Steam Deck and said, "All right, what can we do without getting sued?" You know, <laughs> so that's basically what, like the buttons. Everything is very similar. Yeah, uh, and so that and that's a good thing. It's just it, it's you know seventeen hundred dollars, but yeah, it's definitely <laughs> like uh, min maxing the Steam Deck as it is. Like even the back buttons that they have mimic it, uh, the Steam mm-hmm. Deck's back button. So it's pretty funny in that regard. Yeah. So are you like you you have you for those of you that uh either couldn't see it because of the way that this is going to be edited uh Carrie just held up his uh Ioneo Kuhn or Kuhn I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce Kuhn. it. Yep. Uh, I think well, I think it's Kuhn which is like Chinese, right? For big fish. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. what oh, it's really? supposed to be? Yeah. I don't it's know. Like, I, that's like, what somebody had told me. Uh that, but yeah. Carrie's holding it up now. What are your thoughts on it, Carrie? Um uh, so very quickly, it's uh, there's a lot of things that they're doing on it, and they're min-maxing in a lot of different ways. Uh, and there isn't a big benefit to trying to do it because it's like one device that they claim it does. So I it took about like four days just to collect all the the data, 
So I did about a, a 12 hour test at 54 watt on this and I'm charting that out. Um, and then I did uh, every watt from five watt to 54 watt uh, against two benches, which took like five hours each Jeez. run. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to collect all that data and put all that in. So it's just days of uh, testing. Um, overall, the it's fine, right? Like if you use an INEO2 device, you basically have a super INEO2. Does that really do anything for performance? Not really. Does it do anything for having a bigger screen? Yeah. Um, but the trackpads, people are going to be left wanting a lot because they don't compare to the Steam Deck at all. Yeah. They, they, the left trackpad is effect. You can change this in INEO, the IS space, but the left circle pad is basically a cursor keys. And then the right trackpad is effectively just a laptop touchpad. So the bottom left quadrant is left quick and the bottom right quad uh, quadrant is right click and it's not great. Yeah. So here's my question. The first thing that popped in my head when I saw uh, the Kuhn was the idea that if these are just, if it's just a mouse, does Steam Input recognize it and work with the cool stuff that Steam Input can do? No, no. As far as Steam is concerned, it's a mouse. Oh, a that's so disappointing. So you can't do the cool like uh, uh, the pop up menus. menus and stuff with that. Uh, I mean, I could, I could. No, you like to the radial menu and stuff. You could yeah. potentially make that happen. I mean, you could probably finagle it somewhere in Steam Input to have that happen. Um, I would have to double check, but um, it, it's so the INEO devices prior all have a similar problem with gyro, right? Steam Input doesn't recognize the gyro on the device, and so you can't really use it in Steam Input. And then so the INEO software has software to configure the gyro, but it's li it's extremely limited compared to Steam Input. So like you can, what it basically does is you hold down a button and that'll map it to analog stick movement. Mm. And and the, what that means for me personally is that I can't use FlickStick because FlickStick, I want it to be, I want the analog to be distinct from the trackpad. Mm. And so it doesn't work out for me. Or from Rich, gyro, can you just remind say. anybody who's watching this right now what FlickStick Flick is? Because I think there's a lot of people who would be like, yeah. what, what are they talking about? So FlickStick is an aiming method specifically for like first-person shooters, but you can use it in other genres as well, where you're moving the analog stick, you can sweep it kind of in the full 360 degrees, and the direction in which you sweep it is, well... Flicking to the left will make you turn to the left. Flicking to the right will make you turn to the right. Same thing for sweeping. And so what that means, though, is that you don't have any access to vertical movement with the analog stick. So you need gyro to be able to move the cursor vertically. Yeah. Uh, anybody in here use flick stick? I try it, and I keep trying it, and I never get good at it. Russ is shaking his head. No, you don't like it. No, like I, uh, I have issues because I play inverted and so like gyro oh. just breaks my mind like because it's like <laughs> i i cannot like get it to work in the way that my brain needs it and so i've never been able to really use gyro in any way uh because of that especially with first person shooters yeah yeah speaking of first person shooters and gyro i was playing counter-strike 2 this morning mm. trying it out and um i tried using my alpaca controller and i couldn't figure out how to buy guns 
because I don't think that there's a B button on that controller. So I was like, okay, well that's that's less than optimal. So then I went and I grabbed my Steam controller because I'm not a mouse and keyboard guy. I hooked it up or I plugged in my my Steam controller. They and I was like, oh, I'm going to use the default whatever. Like this is the Steam controller made by Valve playing Counter Strike Two made by Valve. They had gyro turned off by default. Mm. I was like. What in the heck are, are you guys doing? doing? So I turned it on and it was fine, but uh, that was really weird. And then I came over and tried mouse and keyboard and I just died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the I, thing is about like this whole trackpad thing and whatnot. Um, I I worry like the the Qun is a great example in that like this thing is so much more expensive than the Steam Deck, and if you finagle it just right, you can kind of get it to work almost as good as the Steam Deck. And it's like, what are you paying all this money for? If you're going to pay a ton of money for a device, then it should improve your gameplay experience. It should remove barriers as opposed to adding them. And so it's one of those where it's a very contradictory handheld. Uh, I can see why people will be very happy with it if they get it. Uh, but I don't know if there's a lot of people who want to go over that threshold of paying that amount of money um, when they can just get a Steam Deck and do all the other tinkering they'd like. Yeah, it's um, 1700 right? That the high spec one is like the one they sent me is the seventeen hundred dollar model with like four terabytes of storage. I'm like, why? Like, send me the cheapest one every time, please, because I cannot make an argument why this thing's worth seventeen hundred bucks. What were you gonna say, Kerry? Uh, so a little inside baseball type of stuff. Um, when the the coon was um, first coming out or being talked about with the trackpads, um, I actually talked with Valve for a brief moment about that, and there was some talk. I was talking with Arthur over on INEO and Valve, and I was like, hey, would you want to like work with Valve on this and get the trackpads working like Steam Deck trackpads? And there was like a brief time with that where Valve was interested, uh, but they had a caveat that they didn't think that they would even want to entertain it because effectively this would be Valve's implementation. So all of the bad stuff that comes with that on the Windows side. So it'd be lizard mode without Steam running mm. and all the other stuff. Um, and so there was it, there was a brief moment where there was talks, but then nothing really happened. Um, and now we have what we have. Hmm. It just makes me think that Valve needs to, they need to ship SteamOS 3 to everybody to who wants to use it and then <laughs> yeah. fix that like they ship the steam deck and they keep updating it to make it better and better and better they could do the same thing with steam os like why do they have to wait until it's you know pristine so i don't know this, go ahead this, rich this came up during tgs where pierre lou was interviewed by cnbc um, mm -hmm. I have the I have some notes here. So he said, obviously, something we'd like to work with hardware manufacturers so that they can adopt SteamOS in the future. And this was, you know, not but one week ago. But the thing is, they've said this before, right? Like, and I don't mean that these are empty promises from Valve. It just feels like when Bethesda announced Elder Scrolls Six in 2018, <laughs> right? Like, maybe you should have waited <laughs> to talk about this because we sure it'll happen, but we have no idea when it'll happen and it feels like progress has been incredibly slow. So I I'm personally getting a little impatient. Um, but also I know they just dropped counter-strike two. You mentioned that they just dropped steam VR two. They just dropped steam OS 3.5. Um, so clearly they've got a lot on their hands. It's just, uh, my own personal opinion, my own personal feelings about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, half-life three is right around ahead, the corner Russ. too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> 
Why you got gotta? Why you gotta? Oh, that hurt. That hurt bad, Russ. Yeah. Uh, did what? anybody else get a chance to try out Counter Strike Two? No. No. That Counter Strike has always been a thing that um, I still have the same anxieties that I have from even playing like Quake One back in mm. the, like '90s on M Player. There was always this um, anxiety that I had that I was just going to get housed. And there was a minimum skill level that I needed to like even show up at the door. And for me, I that's like the main reason why I never go into those games, just because um, they're not just for like, oh, let me just have some fun here and there and see what's up. It's like there's an investment that I need to do before I can even consider it. Uh, so that's why I, I should really play it, but I don't. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm going to spend the time installing this game so that I could be fodder for everybody else. Like I literally just willingly could be becoming a victim, you know. And yeah. so I've always felt that way about Counter-Strike too. It's just so, so rough. Yeah. I always play with bots in my testing just so I at least have a chance. <laughs> Do you guys play fighters or any other like on? Carrie, you definitely play online multiplayer, right? Like Halo, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Any game that I have, like I've uh, invested some time in and I started learning. I get very, very competitive, so I want to mm -hmm. be competitive, and there's a, there's yeah, a part of me. Yeah, so uh, Tekken 3 for PlayStation 1, I actually entered in local tournaments for that. Nice. Um, came in, like, you know, fourth and fifth, got housed by someone just using Brian, which I was like, <laughs> you pick Brian? And it's so, like, paper, rock, scissors type of, like, for sure. fighting style for Brian that it just threw me for a loop. He would just do these ones where I'm blocking, and then he would just, like, chip at my leg, and it was just chipping away at me that I wasn't really ready for. And no. anytime I was ready to reverse, he was ready to reverse my reverse. And I was like, damn, that was uh, that was something. But yeah, I, I got really good in Tekken 3. Like I can do King's uh, Rolling Death Cradle on, on, nice. on PS1 controller. Like I could do that. So going to Arcade Stick was a, a different for me. But yeah, I'm super big on, on competitiveness. But there's like, okay, I'm going to spend this month getting good. Right. And then I'm going to go online. And I'm, right. I'm going to, you know. I'm gonna bring yeah. it. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I don't like any uh, online competitive game uh, because I'm not very competitive in gaming in particular. It's like I I celebrate when the other guy wins. I'm like, hey man, good job. You know, like I, you've got a really good headshot. You know, yeah. like uh, and so I'm just not good. Right. <laughs> and so even like Destiny 2, I don't I don't play any of the competitive stuff. It's just full on, you know, NPC, like fighting like a PVE or whatever they call it. So, dude, like nice. there's some things that I, I like. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Russ. Like whenever I get like housed, like specifically well, mm. I'm like, damn, that was amazing. Like Quake, <laughs> like I remember Quake in my mind because like there's a dude that I was playing against. And it was like free for all, but he was killing everyone. And mm. I remember I was running to something. And he was running the map in such a way that he was just literally firing he saw me run this way and he would fire a rocket down the hallway and as i'm about to get to like the whatever power <laughs> up it was i it nails me and i'm like dude the timing the yeah. timing of all that knowing how i'm moving and all the like ha the chest that he's playing in his head i was like that's For amazing sure. that yeah. i was just like in awe and mm. that's what was like quake whenever i play on m player i just like start like just bead sweats coming down on me like <laughs> oh man it's gonna be for real now yeah but, yeah see i'm i'm sometimes i play like that guy that you're talking about but i have no consistency so like i will have a match where i'm just like i am god on the field killing <laughs> everybody all the time and then i will have a match where i am like what carrie was saying a few minutes ago where he's like 
I am just here so you guys can up your uh, K, what, what's that, K, <laughs> K, K to D ratio or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yep. That's why I'm here. And I can never get any kind of consistency. But I'm also a lot like Russ. Well, like, I remember we were at a softball game and it was a you know, kid's softball game. And like somebody on the other team hit the ball and it went sailing and my wife and I were like yeah good good job kid and like this parent turned around and looked at us and they were like that's not on your team I was like I don't care I right. was like this kid did good what's your problem <laughs> it's kids playing sports we're we're yeah. cheering for everybody yeah yeah I and honestly I couldn't tell you the score if I if I if you paid me a thousand dollars I couldn't have told you the score that day because it doesn't matter to me but and I'm like I'm the, I'm always happy when somebody does something great so even when somebody gets a you know a, a snipes me with a headshot i'm like good for you um, but i <laughs> well i will done. say that the the uh the kill time i don't know what the people call that where you know the, the oh the time to kill in counter-strike 2 boy it's a lot higher faster than i remember uh the old counter-strike games and just i'm dying instantaneously Mm. Uh, but maybe it's just because I'm really old. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, let's move on and talk. You know, something else that Rich brought up was uh, Steam VR 2. Uh, that just got announced alongside um, MetaQuest 3, mm -hmm. which is $500, and it's coming out, like, in a couple of weeks, which is kind of fast. I didn't realize it was going to be so quick. Um, anybody here pre-ordering that? Because I've been th I'm thinking about it Carrie, you're shaking your head yes? Yeah, so um, my son plays with his Quest 2 quite frequently. So I'm going to be getting the Quest 3 for him for Christmas. Uh, so that's like a single Christmas gift that we're going to get him. Uh, like just have a nice big Christmas gift. Um, so we're going to get him that. And then I'll probably take the Quest 2 and then give it to my daughter. Because every now and again, she just wants to play when he's playing or whenever she has friends over. So there's like things like that. But uh, the Roblox client is now being ported over to the uh, to Quest. Hmm. So my son has been playing it through Oc uh, Oculink, uh, Oculink, Oculus Airlink, um, with a wireless way to stream from PC to headset. Mm -hmm. So he's been playing a lot of Roblox VR and other VR games. So he's pretty much he's in it. And I we made his his room to have like a VR space. Um, so he's, that's the reason why I'm getting it, but I'm very curious how the optics are and the resolution. So I'm very curious about it, especially with all the other stuff that they have. They don't have, um, eye tracking like the quest pro has. So I'm wondering how that's going to work, especially with the MR stuff. If you're going to be doing like virtual conferences and stuff, it's all very, very interesting, but yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to see the quest three coming out, but also, from our point of view, seemingly like Valve has been gunning it to make something like we have news somewhere for this because they need to compete in some way. Um, so it's odd that we haven't heard anything from Valve. Um, but yeah, it, I the problem I think for me is that I think a lot of people are looking at the Quest 3, especially with uh, Oculus Air Link, which is amazing, not using v, having V. Playing PC VR via wireless is so good that I don't want to ever have a cable ever again because I play on the Quest 2 and it's so freeing and nice. I have um, um, the Valve headset right over here. Index. Yeah, the Index. Uh, I have that over there. That I, I have space that I've created in my studio to do it, but it's always getting cluttered with other stuff, so it's always something that's happening. But having inside-out tracking, uh, wireless, all those types of things are like make playing VR so much 
easier to just jump into. So for me, I think that there's also a lot of people that are just, I, I'm just saying this from my spot, like all the people that are like us, right? Like that are in the scene and knowing what's going on. I think that a lot of people have been waiting on Deckard um, or Deckard like something that Valve is going to be doing as an update to the index with something else, just something better. And the Quest 3 might be a purchase that they make because they're just tired of waiting and they want something to fill that gap that is a good price with good features and that's it. So it's like Quest 3 looks really compelling. And it's compatible with, with Steam VR. Go ahead, Rich. I was this close to that exact scenario, right? Because I was buying into the hype with uh, people thinking that Valve would announce something during the MetaConnect because that's what they did back when I forget which device was announced, um, the Rift, Rift S. Uh, so basically Valve did the same thing where they announced something at the same time that something else was being announced and people bought into the, myself included, bought into the hype that they would do that again. Now mm -hmm. with the Deckard and with Steam VR 2 beta launching and so I was hyped enough for a Deckard that at the end of the Meta Connect or at the end of their presentation for the Quest 3, I was like, I think I'll just buy this. I took a minute and I didn't end up buying it, but I was really close to pulling the trigger. Part of the reason I didn't buy it is because I knew I had I would have to get the Legion Go. So I'm like, I'm not going to spend $1,200 in two weeks. That's Perfect. just that's just insane. And you, Russ, did you pick it up or are you picking it up or thinking of it? No, I'm still in that wait and see kind of phase. You know, I'm interested in VR and whatnot, but it's just I want to wait until everything's like good. Like, I don't want to be the guy who's like testing things as they're rolling out. I want to wait till that moment where like, okay, now VR is great. This is the one you got to get because this one's the clear winner. Like, I'm going to wait for that moment still. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. It's like, I have the PSVR 2. I like it a lot. But uh, the, the whole thing about it having a cord and being hooked up to my PS5 is an issue, especially because this room is very small. And this, like the desk that I'm sitting at is is huge. And like when I, when we built this room, like none of that, none of the VR stuff was on my on my mind. So like the thing about the, the Quest 3 is that it's a standalone system. And if I wanted to, I could just take it down to, like we have a, a home gym you know, with like a big open space and a treadmill in my, my, the weights and stuff. And I could just move mm -hmm. the bench out of the way and wave my hands around like I'm like a moron in there and have a, have an absolute blast. I can't do that with my PSVR two, but I could do that right. with the MetaQuest three. But the thing that holds me back on the MetaQuest three is yeah it's more powerful and it's great and it's got these nice pancake lenses that are nice and smooth and don't have the little ridges on them and all that stuff is great but my pc is old and so if i want to get the most out of it i'd have to upgrade my like i'd have to replace the graphics card and maybe the cpu in my computer and i'm just not ready to do that at this point so i have not ordered that and you know secondly because i bought the legion go for you know, to for the channel, uh, I think that if I made a video about MetaQuest, it probably wouldn't perform as well. And so I got to decide where am I going to be spending my money? I got to spend my money on something that's going to help. Uh, so I ended up going with the Legion yep. Go instead. But I am interested in in the MetaQuest 3 and I'm interested in in what Steam VR is, because like it's this other interface that you can basically do with what would you call it, Carrie, where you do it wirelessly? 
Uh, the one that's it's Oculus Air Link. And, and so does that use Steam VR when you do the Oculus Air Link and it just connects to Steam and lets you ignore yeah. Facebook's e nonsense? Yes, exactly. Right. So you, you basically need to have Oculus software up and running first. Um, so you're in Oculus's thing. But then when you launch Steam VR, it supersedes and then you jump into Steam VR wirelessly, which is how we've been doing it. And that's how my son actually has to play Roblox. He actually has to initiate Steam VR first. And mm. then we play Roblox. So um, there, you know, SteamVR has a bunch of features where it's easier to kind of track w what the, you know, it sees the headset, it sees the controller, so you have a better interface of what's what's available to the machine insofar as what the link is, is showing and suggesting is uh, initiated and active. So, um, yeah, SteamVR, even prior to 2.0, has always been fantastic with Oculus Air Link. Um, so I, as far as I'm concerned, it is a PC headset, that also can function by itself. For me, I think one of the that that Roblox uh, functionality is killer because um, there's going to be a lot of kids, even for Quest Two, that are going to want to play. Like it's a bunch of they, so there's a thing on Roblox called VR Hands, and it's okay. the coolest thing. Uh, so there are kids that play VR Hands in Roblox. If they don't have a VR headset, they're basically like little people that are like running around trying to escape the people with VR hands that are giants that can like pick them up and like yeet them off of like the level and stuff. And they're just, that's all it is. So like that's, it's just a big sandbox of like giants that are the VR people versus the people that are on desktop or whatever, just trying yeah. to escape. It's a lot of, like I see my kid playing and I, like I, I enjoy just watching him play. So um, yeah, I, I think that that's a, a bit of a hidden killer app for quest. Once that actually happens, um, so we'll see what happens, I suppose. You know, one you of the things. The... Go ahead, Russ. I'm sorry. I was just going to mention, you know, with Steam VR two. Again, I'm an outside looking in kind of guy, but I looked at all their like promo materials, and I mentioned this in our chat. Uh, they show like the Steam VR two interface and how wonderful and up to date and all these things it is. But they only show two games on the main screen, like as their mm -hmm. like promo, like look at how advanced and, and we are and all that stuff. And it was Half Life Alex and Beat Saber, and I was just like. Come on, like that that says so much about the VR industry right now is that like you still have to show older titles and just yeah. with a fancier packaging and like let's let's get to the point where there is some sort of like I mean I really do want to play Alex but all the same like that's the only killer game I want to play right now. I need to get to that point where it's enough to get me to buy a console and it's just not there yet. I saw a lot of similar criticism. I'm not familiar with like all the different other than what you just said, right? I'm not familiar with all the different killer apps or whatever for VR, but I saw a lot of the same criticism for MetaConnect where people were just saying they're just showing off the same game. So there's not much reason to pick up a Quest 3 if you already have a Quest 2. And, you know, we've said it before, but there was a tweet, I think, from a VR content creator, but they were like how that person they knew seven they they had 15 friends and of those 15 friends seven of them seven of them have a quest too but basically no one still uses it for mm. you know the same reasons just a lot of friction to have to put it on and to have to get, it's a lot to get to the point where you're actually playing the game right yeah i mean it's the yeah. same thing with the playstation vr like i i that horizon game looks great but i still got to play through forbidden west like i i got time you know and so I, there's just nothing that's compelling me to invest in any of those uh hard, hardware right now so well this this last thing about the meta quest 3 that i thought was really weird 
is that it's going to have Xbox cloud gaming built in. Not we're not built in. Like you'll be able to play that. Would like I can't imagine like okay, I have the PSVR two and I've tried some of the um as VR people usually say, flat games um on that. <laughs> so basically it makes like a big screen in front of you. And I did not feel like that was a compelling experience in the least. Would any of, like, if you had one, would you bother using Xbox cloud gaming? On, and it, you, you would carry. Talk about I why. Would. Convince me. Oh, so, like, when, like, I mean, I've, like, reviewed some XR glasses, and I've used Xbox X Cloud on that or other stuff on there. And there is something to be said for a private home theater that you're putting on your face. You're not bothering anyone else near you or around you. There's no sound pollution going to them. You have your own occupied space. Uh, if the kids are using the family TV, this is why people play on handhelds because it's another device. So when you think about laying down and you don't want to bother your spouse with whatever, um, there are reasons why you would want to entertain using these types of things. So having xCloud support built into it by itself and easy to get into, I think is something that's worthwhile. And the only reason that I think it exists at all is just because Facebook and Microsoft have a long history together um, where they just had a mutual respect for each other. So that's more than likely the reason why it exists at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, I think it's, I'm, I've been a big fan of xCloud only because Microsoft has done all the work to seamlessly share saves. If I was playing on xCloud and I could not play on PC and, and Xbox, xCloud would be useless. Like not being able to have my save instantly transfer back and forth means that I wouldn't use it at all because I don't consider cloud gaming to be anything other than supplementary and something that is rapid, right? So uh, that's I like xCloud for just that reason. Uh, mm -hmm. And having it be on the Oculus Quest 3, I find it to be the same thing as all those XR glasses like Enreal or um, uh, why is the other name escaping me right now? Vitcher. Yeah, Vitcher. The Vitcher mm -hmm. ones. They have the they have the headband. They have a neckband that attaches to it, which is the whole MR experience that you're supposed to wear. So these glasses you can see through. And then you could also not that I think that's that, that's possible right now because no one should be doing that. But. It's the same type of thing. The headset has everything built into it. You're running solo, so the the device is running by itself. Um, yeah, I, I think it's worthwhile. No, so for me, like I've got I've got the uh, the N real glasses or X real glasses here. There's a this is a lot different than putting on a VR headset to me. Like right. this is very unintrusive. Whereas with a VR headset, I got like a thing that's all the way around my head and I, you know, clamp down the thing on the back and then I put on the, well, I don't necessarily have to put the headphones on because I think the, I think the Quest 3 has built in like speakers. Yeah, uh, yeah they but fire into your... Like this is a very different ask than putting on a whole thing. But if it works for you or if it works for anybody else out there, uh, that's, a, that's an awesome win for you. These I think are cool because they're so lightweight. Mm -hmm. you know and they're going to keep getting lighter um but should for a vr headset on... to do i hope all of, our, all of us put yeah on... should we all put oh. on our xr glasses for the thumbnail <laughs> mine are in the other room <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna, it's fine it's over there somewhere it's just a... that's too Fu funny 
future so bright. Yeah, the way I see it, shades. it, the way I see it with the VR stuff is like if it's it's just a feature in something you've already bought for other reasons, then it makes sense. Yeah. But like I'm I'm with you, Bill. Like I would get an immediate headache if I tried to like you know watch a movie or do whatever with a full VR headset on. It's just I don't know, I don't know. I got a little baby neck or something. I can't hold up that. <laughs> wait for long you know but uh but the you know x real glasses i use them all the time and so it's it's one of those where yeah i don't buy the quest 3 for that feature but if you already have the quest 3 then it might be something you could incorporate yeah yeah that's I mean, a good like, point look at the price of the x reels versus the price of the quest 3 right like it's how much how big of a difference are we talking about like a hundred dollars remember how much is the x reels they're like 400 retail yeah. Okay. So, well, that's a really good point then, Carrie. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you're spending $100 extra, and the Quest 3 has a very good Snapdragon chipset in it. It has its own operating system that runs. You don't have to attach it to something else. You just put it on your head, and you start going, and there's nothing else to attach. So, I agree with you guys. I'm not saying that either one is better. I think they both have their different use cases, and it's yeah. great that everyone has a choice. So, for me, I, I would consider it but i'm buying it for my son so i'm really just going to be like yeah. looking at it and saying oh this is pretty cool and then just giving it to my son and probably never using um like mostly because i'm probably i'm like with you guys right like it says a lot like russ says that if your best vr stuff is stuff that's already been out forever like you, you got to stop showing beat saber guys like <laughs> stop showing it because if that's the only thing you got which is very entertaining however uh, it shows a, um, a a problem that the the VR landscape has for themselves. It's like, yeah, hey, I buy the newest Xbox. That. They can play Rock Band. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. All right. Well, you brought up consoles, so we might as well talk a little bit about Sony. Uh, Sony apparently got hacked. And they have, uh, they finally have responded to this. I'm going to try and put this on the screen. But while I'm trying to put it on the screen, uh, Rich, can you talk about it real quick? I probably can't. So I, oh, I, that's I'm sorry. All I, that's all I, I know is they got hacked and by, by a ransomware group, right? So I, I do have like questions as to like in terms of whether or not leaks uh, come as a result of this whether or not it's like ethically questionable to for like journalists to report on those leaks because they're ransomware as opposed to something that comes out of a court document even if it's accidentally uploaded or something like that so i'm going to be interested to see how that goes but yeah i don't know the details about what actually happened well so it says here over at uh, push square that a ransomware group uh claims to have compromised all sony systems uh, and basically they're saying, you know, we're going to hold your data hostage. So first off, if you use Sony stuff, probably want to change your passwords and stuff like that to make sure that nobody can uh, make purchases and, and things like that. And Sony has basically said, we're currently investigating the situation. We have no further comment at this time. The last time that this happened um if i remember right it was like around christmas time and it was close to the launch of the ps4 if i'm if i'm remembering that correctly and basically you couldn't use sony stuff for days am i am i remembering that wrong does anybody know they've been hacked multiple times in the past pretty massively um there was also there was like 2010 and then 2013 but um I don't. I know. I know. I was never a big PlayStation user, so I don't remember how widespread, like how 
impacting that was because I wasn't actively playing any PlayStation games, so I don't recall that. Um, but I do recall how many. I, I distinctly remember. I think it was 2010 because I was like, I was like, everyone wants Sony to die, even Mother 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 Nature, because it was like <laughs> Sony got hacked, and then they got that gigantic earthquake that happened that the the uh, Fukushima nuclear mm-hmm. power plant, and like just mm-hmm. everything that was going bad. Like it was just seemed like. Everything was against Sony at that time. I think their stock price was down to like ten bucks, and I was like, "Man, they can't catch a break for anything." Um, that was a that was a pretty desperate time for them. Yeah, when and, and you know, Kerry says he wasn't really affected uh, by that because he's not really a Sony guy. But you know, one thing that you know, Sony that did affect Kerry was this idea that we've got all these PC ports. They have been coming to, uh, you know, from PlayStation and like we kind of joked about this in our in our little discord where we were like, well, are we going to keep seeing those ports? Is that relationship going to change? Carrie, you had just said really nice things about Jim Ryan and he was waiting. the entire thing. Yeah, he's (laughs) he's like, ah, someone said something nice about it. Time to detach. (laughs) Go off on a high note. Yeah. uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I say that a bit tongue in cheek just because I know deep down that there's a lot of PlayStation faithful that disagree with a lot of the things that Jim Ryan has been doing. And I think that if you look at um, PlayStation's playbook as of the recent years, even with the PlayStation 4, um, they are following the Xbox 360's playbook. Um, they are. They have been l- going away from their eastern roots and becoming more of a western company. All of the big games that were big on Xbox 360 are now big on PlayStation. So Call of Duty and all the other stuff. So they've been kind of going that way. That has been counter to what a lot of I would say the hardcore PlayStation people actually liked. And everything that they've been doing has been going further and further into generalized ways that the gaming industry has been going into like games as a service which are everyone every hardcore playstation person is just like that i know they're hardcore against these types of games and they just want those gigantic cinematic single player games that playstation is known for um so that's a long thing that i digress to say but i I, my biggest i love that Sony has been embracing bringing games to PC. I am totally okay with them, like letting PlayStation have first dibs, having it for a year, uh, whatever, for whatever length of time before they actually bring it out. I know that there's been like some initiative that they want to kind of have like the sequel coming out before the first version comes out for PC, which is likely to happen for like uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, so, you, you know, that type of stuff. I'm fine with it. I've been a big fan of it. Uh, I think Jim Ryan has been influencing that direction so yeah it um if there is a backpedaling on this that would be uh that would be I, that would be not the best case scenario for me some people also seem to think that it could go the other way right that like herman is it herman holst gets even more like some people thought that he may step in when it was when it was only announced that jim ryan was stepping down some people thought that herman holst may step in um, but either way some other people may feel like he's going to have a little bit more power and it seems like he is one of the bigger voices behind these ports to PC. So is there any world where the, that gap closes a little bit more and we get, you know, ports even sooner? I was always under the belief that that was going to be happening regardless of anything. There was always this, um, they had to release it in phases so that the 
PlayStation faithful could take this, uh, take take that medicine a little bit, have that go down a little bit smoother. Right. And there's always been like, it's never going to be day one. You're never going to get day one. Day one will always be a PS5. And you know, Helldivers Two is already day one for uh, PC, and then they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That that's that's gas. That's Helldivers. That, yeah, that's that's games <laughs> of service. That doesn't that doesn't count." Uh, so there are all of these things where you see that there is slowly but surely the goalposts are moving uh, from where things are. Yeah. I've always been of the mindset that it's getting closer and closer to day one, just because for them it's more money that they're leaving on the table, and they are a business first, and they as much as they need to, you know contribute to their fans the the bottom line is that a lot of them are buying you know call of duty and fifa and they're not the hardcore that are most vocal mm -hmm. i also don't know how much the fans like actually care right like does it actually would it actually result in in people buying fewer playstations for example no. it seems right it seems no. like you're just be gonna see like, like dude like on uh Recetera, once jim ryan left there's a <laughs> bunch of playstation people that are like good riddance he's been making every yeah. wrong choice I'm glad that he's gone. There's people that are celebrating that are PlayStation faithful. They're celebrating that he has, has left. Um, yeah. I don't have a horse in any of these races. My, um, like my report card that I gave for Jim Ryan was basically, I feel like he's done a good job on the software side and things on the hardware side have been, let's say questionable. Right. So like just on the software side, if we're just talking about the <laughs> nice, good job. Um, pulled it up quickly. Uh, so the, just the acquisitions, if nothing else, those acquisitions, I I don't agree that like Bungie does more for Sony than Activision does for Microsoft. But I think the like pound for pound, that Bungie acquisition is tremendous. I think pound for pound, the Insomniac acquisition is tremendous. And same with Nix's, right? Dude, yeah. Insomniac is carrying PlayStation. This yeah. Right? They are carrying right? those guys. That I mean... Uh, I, so I just got a notification that my um, my Spider-Man PlayStation 5 just got canceled, which I'm pretty bummed about right now. So Dang. I have to find out where that is. Um, I've been waiting for a limited edition PS5 before I bought yeah. a PS5, and I knew it was going to happen. I still have my uh, my Spider-Man PS4 Pro, which I love. Mm. So once I saw that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm got to get that one. So I got it, but then it was like Italy, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I'm looking through, and it got canceled, so now I'm trying to scramble to find one. It's not a great time for me right now, so I'm trying to secure that. Yeah. You know, I'm a simple guy when it comes to Sony. I just want those tentpole first, right. uh, like the single-player games. Like, that's that's always what I've enjoyed about yep. PlayStation properties, all the way back from, like, PS3 and beyond. And then uh, I love the PC ports. But the thing that worries me is that... Uh, I, I I think that they provide a lot of goodwill to PC gamers in the sense that, that it like makes people feel good about the fact that they're not locked behind the PS4 or PS5. But I would love to see those sales numbers. Are they are they selling a ton as well to the point where it's also making it worth it for Sony? And so that's what I'm worried about is that it looks like a beautiful, wonderful gesture to PC gamers. But are they following through by buying enough to justify having more ports in the future? And that's what as a business, that's probably what they're thinking about. Uh good i'll say from what i've seen right just to concurrent players the the big the really big games made a big splash the spider-man god of war those two made a big splash if you look at like Sackboy, you look at mm -hmm. um, what was the other one recently ratchet and, uh, clank. ratchet and clank that is another one that was disappointing to me because it was ratchet and clank Sackboy was amazing. as well ratchet, yeah. ratchet and clank is a it's fantastic on pc 
It is yeah. amazing. I've been enjoying. It. I actually want to finish it up. I just heard the game isn't that that long, so not, I'm yeah. even more for it. I'm like sick. I'm uh, I have to finish this. Yeah. I enjoyed Ratchet and Clank a bunch, and I've never been a big Ratchet and Clank fan to begin with. Um, so yeah, I've been. I, I love everything that they're doing, but yeah, it's along those same lines. I think that you know there's not a lot of marketing that goes on to it. Their state of plays, they ignore talking about PC stuff. They always have it as like an F and uh, and also ran. So like. When the state of play happened, I was like, okay, so we'll probably get in 24 hours a blog post about whatever game's coming out later. Turned out to be like a week or so that um, we found out that the Horizon... That's uh, true. Yeah, Horizon Forbidden West was coming. And Nixus is port Like, all they have to say, like, dude, just go on state of play. Just be like, Nixus is porting this. And everyone's like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they're just an amazing porting studio. And that was yep. a fantastic acquisition. Uh, yep. But yeah, you, you look at... Uh, their numbers aren't super fantastic, but then, you know, you look at how long they were out. And also if you take a look at horizon zero dawn, right. Uncharted four, when you think about the PS4 generation, as it was a lot of those games during that time, you could literally just wait one year and then get the game for almost $10. Right. So the, that's what I was always doing. I was like, I'll just wait a year. I mean, I have a bunch of PS4 games that I paid 10 bucks for. I bought uncharted four for $8. Uh, so I just waited. I had a PS4 Pro, and I was like, "I'll oh, wait a year. I have a ton of games, and no, no rush for me." So I, I have a, you know, a PS4 exclusive physical library over there that I bought. And then when the PS5 came out, and then they up up the the pricing went to seventy dollars. The discounts slowed down like crazy. So mm. now the only thing a year later I'm seeing it like go for fifty bucks and I'm like that just feels like regular price. That feels like a one week discount, not a one year mm -hmm. discount. Um, so I, I think going along this this talk, right, is that the discounts have been lessened with PS5 generation. So I think as we start seeing Ratchet and Clank is going against this thesis that I have, this theory that I have, obviously. Uh, but as we start looking at newer games that are going to be coming to PC, the the lessened discount amount will mean that the paying $70 for God of War Ragnarok on PC is going to be okay. Because like, well, it's $50 on PS5 and it's $70 here. All right, no problem. I'll pick that up. But if you're looking at PS4 and it's like it's ten dollars in PS4 and you're right. wanting fifty bucks on PC, that's come on. What are you doing? Like it feels almost insulting to to people. So there is that large price gap where it almost feels like they're just you know uh, they're double dipping in such a manner that uh, may not be very appealing. Yeah. So I worry about people like you though, Fox, because okay, so say you have a PS5 and you're like, you know what? This is going to be coming to PC, so I'm not going to buy it for the PlayStation because I'm going to wait because they don't have cross saves and all the other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But then Sony's going to see that and be like, oh, well, this game's not very popular. No one's buying it, so we don't need to make a PC port. And then they don't. You know what I mean? So we're like shooting sure. ourselves in the foot by waiting for that eventual PC port. And so, yeah, I, I feel that. Like, I 100% I like for Forbidden West is one of those where it's like I've right. – 30% into that game and now I'm like I'm not playing it again because I'm going to play it on the PC where I have like right. cloud saves and stuff and so uh, I, I if I hadn't have bought it already then I probably wouldn't buy it now at all you know and so it's it's one of those it's it's rough they're gonna it's a chicken and egg kind of thing almost mm -hmm. yeah I think that we're a different group of people we are uh, who like there's 40 million PS5s out there um, there, those people, most, n n I would say 95% of those people are all, are just playing on PS5. Like yeah, they're not also point. playing on PC. And so those people don't really care 
if it comes to PC, unlike us, like we're like, oh, I, I want to be able to play it on PC. And they're just they're just buying the games that they like. And then, so I don't know if I agree with that, Russ. I think that, I, I don't think that like this group that watches this show or like in this weird bubble that we're in, I don't think we move the needle enough to to push Sony one way or the other on whether yeah. or not they're going to port a game over. But I, and that's a good point. I hope I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, no, that's a good point. I think that, you know, like Ragnarok or something like that, you know, people were so excited about that story. I mean, I pre-bought it and like pre-installed it. That's how much I was excited about it. I took three days off from the channel to play through it. And so, yeah, th there's more people, I think, on that end than the, the kind of scenario that I just brought up. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I, I'm hopeful that they continue on along the same path. Uh, they, I mean, you took a look at Naughty Dog. Also, like what Insomniac's doing, all these guys are really pushing it pretty hard. Look at Ratchet and Clank. That game is beautiful to look at. Um, and the, yep. the Sony Studios, you know, I could say, I could have my feelings, whatever they are, but they do produce really amazing games um, that I enjoy playing. And I can wait to play them. It's, I have a bunch to play, but I would be upset myself if um sales data was indicating and that they had to make a further bigger push into to games as a service as a result and we're getting stuff that is not along the stuff that we all care to play even though we may be in the minority um so yeah there i i feel that i'm i'm i agree with both of you guys i don't know how it's going to happen i think that ultimately it's a business and they're going to try to make as much profit as possible and how that's going to muddy the waters is going to be regardless of how any of the hardcore dictate it should go or how loud the hardcore are loud about it on forums and stuff mm. um so it'll be interesting to see especially with this new ceo or whoever's going to be taking over playstation and the direction that they take i i think of an interesting conversation that we could have maybe in a future episode is about where do you how do you decide which platform you're going to play your games on um so for instance Cyberpunk 2077 just got its for its DLC and pretty much everybody is universally saying they fixed it. They made this this is the game that they should have been um it, it launched right around the same same time as Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 was labeled as early I th I th heard this on a podcast. It was labeled as early access. Cyberpunk 2077 should have been labeled as early access. Uh, but it's out now, and that plus Phantom Liberty is, is really, really good. I have it on PC. Uh, I don't have Phantom Liberty because I haven't decided where I want to play it yet because my PC is getting older, and when I bought when I got that game, I didn't have an Xbox Series X. I didn't have a PS5, and now I have those systems, and the game would play better on those systems, but I also already own it and mm. playing it on a 26 like i'm trying to make a decision where do i buy this game that's available everywhere and if uh you know people who are watching this have like an idea for like how they make that decision uh let us know in the comments down below but i i feel like just i'm gonna guess that carry always pc if it's available pc always pc am i correct oh, on that always pc Always okay. PC. What about what about you, Russ? Uh, so, if it's 
you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning now more towards PC. It's a very new kind of uh, approach for me. Before that, I preferred the console experience because it all the updates and, you know, all the graphics tweaks and stuff. I don't want to do without stuff. I just want to play the game, especially if it's like a single-person game, so the Sony games and whatnot. I always would just buy them directly on the console. Even if they, like, even in the early days of me, like, kind of getting spun up on PC stuff, even if there was a PC port, I still would prefer to play it on console. Now I'm torn, and yeah, for Cyberpunk, for example, I own it on GOG and then that was such a pain in the butt to kind of have cross compatibility with I bought it again on Steam and so now I will probably buy it uh, for that $30 for the expansion on that one Steam as well and I'm considering buying it on my PlayStation because I've got the PlayStation portal coming and that's going to give me the ability to play it on that nice like it's a the screen is bigger than my Steam Deck screen so uh, I, I feel like that might be the right thing to do and it's currently on sale like my my son came up and told me he's like hey dad you know that game is on sale right now you get both the game and the expansion for 60 bucks oh and afterwards it's going to be 90 bucks i was like i don't know what to do (laughs) rich are you always on pc or or do you you know is it a case case by case basis i am always pc the only exception really would be if i am going to play with my kids that that means that I may end up picking something up on Switch, but even then, it's usually just going to be a double dip. So it's almost always PC first. Oh, there you have it. Let us know in the comments down below how you make that decision. I'm going to guess that most people are going to say always on PC, but that's that's a kind of a self-selecting thing, just because a lot of our audience is very right. PC centric. I'm I'm the weirdo console guy. Uh, <laughs> on the show, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, re- you know, I think we only got time for one of these two stories, and I think that I don't know enough about the EA thing, so I want to talk about the these limited edition analog pockets. Mm-hmm. Russ, you made a great <laughs> tweet about this that I absolutely a thousand percent agree with. Can you can you just talk about these things because they look yeah. so cool? But I don't know if they're two hundred fifty dollars worth of cool. Right. So the analog pocket, uh, you know, it's been out for a while now, but it's been continuously backordered to the point where, and and they're only black and white versions, you know, uh, it's to the point where if you go to try to buy it on their website right now, it just says sold out. And there are a bunch of people who have orders in, they've had it for a year plus and are still waiting for them to actually ship, right? And I got lucky in somebody who had really ordered it very early. They got in contact with me and said, hey, this is not as great as I thought it was going to be. I will sell it to you at cost. And so I I was able to get one basically secondhand. Um, So I'm lucky in that I have one of the white models. Then a couple months ago, maybe a month ago, they released a glow-in-the-dark version. And this was like a limited edition run. You could buy it right then and there when they said it was going to be available, and it was going to ship within two weeks. I took that as like, okay, well, maybe they just have some extra, like, I don't know, PCBs or whatever, and they want to do something very exclusive and fun. So I thought, you know, like it was a little bit annoying to me, but at the same time, uh, I figured uh, it's it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even want that one. I don't want a glow-in-the-dark handheld, you know? And so not a big deal. But then last week, a week before, they release all of these transparent models. Again, super highly limited edition kind of things. Meanwhile, you still can't buy the original one. Those are still there. But they're teasing these new ones, which are $25 more than the others. And again, with this like 
uh, manufactured like uh, exclusivity thing. And so I was just very annoyed with this. I'm like, how about you fulfill the orders you have? How about you make the other ones available for purchase and then not do this whole FOMO like uh, limited yeah. edition run of these transparent models? Because I wanted one of those too, but on principle, I did not even try to order one because I was like, this is, I'm not going to reward them for make these kind of crappy business business practices in teasing people about this kind of stuff and so that's that's what my tweet was but with much fewer characters <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely fewer characters but i th i like the the expansion on it the thing that drives me crazy is like i mean you have one of the original ones right russ mm -hmm. yep i have the white one okay yeah. so these things they're 250 dollars or 225 i guess for the non-limited edition ones right they just I I can do all of those things on much cheaper devices. Is there any reason that you can think of that I should get one of these over any of the myriad of other emulate, emulation devices that I have outside of hooking uh, Game Boy carts up to the back of it? Yeah, so uh, it really comes down to how finicky you are about uh, preservation, not preservation, but just accuracy. And so, you know, it's FPGA, which means it's hardware level uh, emulation. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have like the exact same sound and graphics and latency that you would expect from the original cartridges uh, and original hardware. And so if that is super important to you, then sure. Uh, and it's also a 1440p display. So it's kind of amazing in terms of like crisp pixels and whatnot. But I've always been in this camp where it's like this thing is amazing but uh i am just fine with the cheaper emulation devices which by the way have so many more features in terms of like colorization for game boy games you know retro achievements uh you know easy save states stuff like that and and then also a much more intuitive interface and so yeah i'm always in the camp of like those cheaper software emulators but i do respect what the analog pocket brings but also that 225 dollar like price point is so deceptive as well because they charge at least $60 in shipping because Oof. they use like high-end wow. FedEx shipping and whatnot. And so shipping is super oh. high, then also taxes and whatnot. So it's a $300 system. And then you have to pay an additional $100 for their dock because it won't work any other way to hook it up to a TV. You have to pay another $100 just to be able to hook it up to a TV and so, uh, or a Bluetooth controller. It's just, it's such a anti-consumer kind of way of going about things that it really just kind of rankles me, but all the same, like I do respect what it does. Rich, are you rankled? <laughs> uh, I hadn't even considered it. So Analog Pocket is really far off my radar, kind of for the reasons that like Russ described in terms of I'm I don't care that much about the accuracy of emulation. <clears throat> I like I'm gonna play on my Steam Deck. I'm gonna play on a, typically I'm just gonna play on a Windows, some sort of Windows um, device, whether it's my desktop or something like that for emulation. So I'll just the the Bennett, what I find value in is just having one machine that has everything yeah. versus having multiple machines that I have to swap to. Um, it's just, you know, availability is the best ability. I said it before. Uh, so that, Which that's machine is that, with. Rich? Well, typically the Steam Deck, but also just my desktop, right? Like I'm always at my desktop. So that, that counts as well. Um, I, I have a bunch of ROMs just on a NAS, so I can always just connect to the NAS for, for access to those. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I land on that. Carrie mm -hmm. is sitting there in front of a wall of uh, <laughs> retro hardware and stuff. A a out of anybody, I would guess that Carrie would care most about accuracy when it came to playing their old games. 
how do you feel about the the the, the retro the not retro pocket what the hell is it called again analog, analog, analog pocket, analog pocket. <clears throat> so uh the analog pocket i never bought i just always thought it was too expensive for what it was um i think the only the only review video that actually moved the needle for me was one by uh, dark one x or john lineman from digital foundry he actually reviewed it and along with that 1440 uh, display they actually cared about the accuracy of how the screen would have operated on the game boy itself and how it's dithering and stuff on the display and it does a very good job of uh, responding much like how an original game boy does so the analog pocket is something that that super crazy resolution does a bit more uh than you need to but it's it's a very premium device, and if you were a very if you were a huge Game Boy fan, uh, this is that you're looking. This is a premium Game Boy, is what it comes down to. Uh, so that is a very niche case. And I was while I liked the Game Boy, I was never a big Game Boy person. I actually truthfully liked my Game Gear more, um, just because. I mean, I played with the battery, the the power connector. I never used batteries because it just chewed through those batteries. But the Game Boy I would have, I always got pissed off just because you know i had to like you know look into like a lamp or something just <laughs> to like actually play it so uh it was always just kind of like uh i, I guess for me especially like i was just a gearhead even when i was little and i was like this should have a color lcd and this this and that <laughs> uh so yeah i just i i had a lot i like my game gear more um as over the game boy so i've never been a huge game boy fan even though i there's a a, a bunch of game boy games that are fantastic so yeah. I think it comes down to that, but accuracy is actually super like getting back to that accuracy thing. I have a, like a Vectrix right over there. Uh, seeing a vector display in person is not something that you're going to emulate on a rasterized display. You're not going to get that same impact. The lines that you see on there are like, it's it, you're looking at an oscilloscope, right? Like you're looking at something that is just these clean lines that are just blazing uh, it's really something to witness much like I still have a virtual boy. And I think having a virtual boy is more important than playing emulated virtual boy. Um, I have an N gauge. I have all these things because playing on the original hardware and getting that is part of the experience. I'm not saying that's necessary for everything. I'm just saying that having the, uh, the textual understanding of what that was like you can then go ahead and play ROMs, but still have the core understanding of what that what that felt like. And, you know, CRTs are amazing. CRTs are awesome. So I have, a, I have CRTs as well. So it's like having that experience is uh, something that I think is very worthwhile. I love the idea of FPGAs in general, not just Analog Pocket, but just FPGAs. And I've been following them for a while. Mostly my FPGA stuff has been looking into recreating Amiga stuff because mm. I missed the Amiga when I was young. Even though I had an Amiga store near me, I was not old enough to really understand the differences between DOS and Amiga. Um, that's a kind of a small little story itself. But yeah, uh, that's where I was looking into. So there's... It's a funny thing, right? Like you look at an FPGA and it's not really clock cycles or anything. You're looking at how many SNES ops it can do or whatever it can configure itself into. It says, does one SNES op per whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, I'm a huge fan of FPGAs. I think accuracy is important. However, I didn't get an analog pocket. I thought it was too expensive, even though I can appreciate what it is. Well, speaking of retro stuff and CRTs and all that stuff, Russ, during this entire show, he's had a, a game running on on uh, on the CRT behind him. Uh, I'm going to play a little clip from that 
from that game so the audio listeners can can get a, a taste of what what's going on behind him and uh you know leave a comment down below if you know what what game this is here we go I gotta say that that song is so good. It's uh, <laughs> Genesis as hell. I absolutely love that. Uh, so I'm just gonna stop it real quick. Uh, Rich, Carrie, and I knew what it was just by looking at it, but you never said one way or the other if you recognized what game was being played. Do you know what it no. is? No, no. Does it start mm. with an S? Nope. No. Let me duck down no. so you can see it clearly. <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's I'm not going to work unless you're jump. talking because the editor won't won't oh, cut over right. ah, to, to, to you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Carrie, go ahead. Tell everybody what, what game is playing. That's Golden Axe, my friend. Yeah, oh. that is Golden Axe. Did you ever play that, Rich? I did, but I, I came to the Genesis late. Like, it was mm. the, the SNES was already, like, I, I had my fill of the SNES. I was about to get a PlayStation, and but I got a Genesis instead. Um, so I came to LA. I enjoyed Sonic 2, and I enjoyed Shinobi. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved uh, Golden Axe. Golden Axe, to me, was the, the beat-em-up game for the Genesis. I know a lot of people love Streets of Rage and whatnot, uh, but for I sure. loved Golden Axe just because it had like the you know those little magic potions. You know, you could have the dragon come out, and you know if you got yeah. enough of them. I really loved that. One neat little fact is that that's that what's playing on my CRT is the uh, arcade version. It's not the Genesis mm-hmm. version, although I gave Bill the Genesis music because I, I I'm I'm running uh Batasera on like a mini PC that's running into the CRT, and for some reason that Genesis uh, version, the ROM that I had, just wasn't playing, and so I was like, ah, screw it. No one's gonna tell it difference but i still had to come clean and let you guys know that it is different <laughs> well it, nice. it, the, the music was absolutely from the genesis version because it sounded like that genesis sound yeah. chip which was uh, i always i know that people like the super nintendo sound chip better like that it sound it was a better sound chip i'm using air mm-hmm. quotes but i have a more of an affinity for the sound of the sega genesis and i have no idea why it's just how I feel. Uh, well, that's going to do it for today's episode, everybody. Russ, uh, tell people about your next video real quick. Uh, so next video is going to be on the Loki Zero. So that's the very budget handheld PC, 250 bucks. Uh, so it can run Linux. And so I've been spending the past two weeks getting a Linux operating system running on it called Jealous. And it's retro gaming focused, uh, emulation focused. And it improves the performance significantly to the point where for $250, we've got a handheld that can reliably play just about every Wii U game, which is pretty incredible. So. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Rich, what's yeah. your next video? Um, I'll give you my last. So my last one is why everyone loves Valve and hates Epic. And it's basically an exploration as to how Valve cultivated the extreme loyalty that they have. Some, I, I feel like it's a loyalty that I haven't seen anywhere else in gaming. So I kind of speak to that. Awesome. And I, I watched that video. I think it's probably your best video yet. I really, really like that. Carrie, uh, what, what are you working on or what was your re- most recent video? Um, so I have a bunch of videos that I'm trying to work at the same time and trying to work through it. Uh, my INEO review video is probably still a few days away, uh, but I'm probably going to be, I want to finish up my review on, uh, FSR three and how that's running on handhelds, uh, mm-hmm. and the impact that's going to have as well as AFMF, uh, which is on AMD's drivers and how they're not yet available on 7840U devices. 
Awesome. And uh, I just put out a video on Friday, uh, uh, basically a tier list of not not handhelds themselves, but handheld features of the Steam Deck and ROG Ally. So it's it's not really a video about which one I like more. It's about, oh, I like the thumbsticks on this more and the D-pad on this more and the, the you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and you can find all of those uh, videos linked in the description down below. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Nerd Nest Podcast. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, and uh, we will all see you next time. Stay right, everybody.